Well, good morning, church. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to be back with you. I was gone last week. I had the privilege to go to Colorado and do a wedding. Uh, one of the amazing things, uh, parts of my job, is that I get to be involved in people's intimate moments of weddings and births and funerals. And uh, so I got to be in the mountains last week doing a wedding in the most beautiful scene ever. It was amazing. Uh, but I'm really glad to be back with you both. My wife, Brittany, and I just miss being with you when we are gone. So it's good to be with you. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning as I read a couple Psalms. Psalm 67. We're going to start there. It's on page 481 in the Pew Bible. And then we're going to flip over and read Psalm 96. And then we'll flip over to read a couple verses from Matthew. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Flip over to Psalm 96 with me, if you would. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. One more flip over to Matthew 28 with me. Matthew 28, we'll pick it up in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Lord Jesus, we thank you for this promise that you are with us always. Lord, may we take this commission and continue to build on it from generation to generation. Would you meet us here this morning in this place? 
would you direct our eyes to you for your glory, our good, and the advancement of your gospel, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Well, two weeks ago, I preached on Psalm 145 and asked the question, why do we gather? Why do we do this, right? Every week we gather, it's 0.7% of our week that we come to a building and we worship Jesus together. The most faithful church attender, they spend 0.7% of their year doing this. And then another question is, why do we go? Like we talk about missions and Brooke just mentioned that we pray for missionaries, for global partners. We send global missionaries and, and we have 12 supported global partners around the world bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to other parts of the world. But then also we as a people, if we spend 0.7% of our time in this building on a Sunday morning, that means 93 point, yeah, just 93% of our, wait, no, you do the math. Uh, that much time out of the building going, right? We go, we spend our life on the move. We spend our life in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, with our family, with our people. And then we also intentionally send people around the world to make disciples. Because as we saw in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And so this morning, I want to just touch on why we go, why we believe in missions, in global partnerships, and sending people. Look back at Psalm 67 with me. Psalm 67 it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Just think about that statement. This is God's posture towards his people. He's gracious and his face shines upon you. God's posture towards his creation, the pinnacle of his creation, man and woman created in his image and likeness all around the earth. His posture is that of grace and a smiling face. I hope that encourages you this morning. Some of us, we, we develop over the years, we develop this idea that God is frowning upon us, that God is disappointed with us, that God is angry with us, that Right? That God is vindictive and judgmental. And, and, and sometimes when we see people of the world that are doing things that aren't godly, we think, well, God is vindictive towards them. And this reminds us that God is gracious towards his people, that his face shines upon his people. Keep going. He says that your way may be known on the earth. This is why we go. Whether it's you in your own sphere of influence here in America, or whether it's a missionary who's been sent around the world, we go to make God's way known on the earth. Now, it's really cool that two weeks ago when I preached Psalm 145 about why we gather, it says in there that we gather to commend God to the next generation, right? One generation to the next. So this morning, we actually have Three supported missionaries. Well, we have more than three supported missionaries right here, but Stephen Anderson, stand up, wave, say hello. He's back from out of the country for a short window of time, grew up at this church. God was commended to Stephen throughout the generations. We have Dave and Patsy Elfers who are going to come up here in just a minute. God has been commended to them throughout the generations. So that was Psalm 145 a couple weeks ago. We saw that we gather to commend God to one another and to the next generations. And so we have represented, even in our church this morning, God being represented and commended from generation to generation. And then people are now motivated to go and do missions 
Stephen Anderson in Southeast Asia and the Alphers have been in Africa, and you're going to hear more about that in just a little bit. And this is why they go. This is why we go. This is why we send. We're all called to be goers, whether that's, again, in your neighborhood, your relational sphere of influence. And then also every Sunday when we gather, usually someone says, like, if you want to give, right? We give so that we can go. Like when you come to a church and you give money, it's not so that we can build a religious institution. It's so that our staff can be paid so that we can work as missionaries here in St. Louis Park, but then it's also so that we can send out missionaries around the world. 20% of Park's budget goes directly towards global partners, towards global missions. Thank you for being a generous church and doing that. And we do that, as verse 2 says, that your way, God's way, may be known on the earth. One of the challenges that we're facing in our current day and age is that there's a lot of people who assume that missions has become kind of like a conquest thing, like American missionaries are trying to colonize other people and make them like Americans. And certainly there's some bad examples of missions in the world. And this is not what we do. This is not our intent. We send missionaries to do what verse 2 says, that God's way may be known on the earth. Not the American way. Not the religious way. Right? And, th- and this is going to hit a little bit differently with the second service because there's a lot more younger people in the second service and oftentimes there's kind of this generational shift in tension between the older and the younger generation. But I want to remind all of us that we go and we send missionaries and Stephen Anderson and the elders have gone to make God's way known on the earth because his way is better than our way. Amen? His way is better than our way, whatever that way might be. And he says, your saving power among the nations. God's heart is for the peoples of the world. He says, let all the peoples be praised. And you might be like, that's bad English. Yeah, that's bad English. It's this category that the Bible has that we don't have. The peoples, the peoples of the earth, the peoples of the earth. They praise God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That's why we go. Dave and Patsy, Stephen, Linda, and others, I'm probably missing some missionaries here this morning. Those of you who go intentionally into your spheres of influence to make God known, thank you for going. That the nations, all the peoples of the earth, may be glad and sing for joy. He goes on to say, for you judge the peoples with equity. Think about that. Again, God judges with equity, with fairness, with true justice and righteousness. Not according to our standard of what's right and wrong, to our opinions of what's right and wrong. God judges the peoples of the earth with equity. He's a good, righteous, and just judge. And he guides the nation upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's why we go. We go so that people would praise God, that they would find life in his way. And let me remind us that we, many of us grew up in America, not all of us have. We have people who have migrated to America from other countries, and all of us are the product of that at some point, right? We are recipients of this good news. So America has done amazing things in sending out missionaries, and sometimes when you, know, when you become strong and powerful in one thing, you, be, you become kind of arrogant in that. And I think over the years, there's been, there, 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 there has been a shift in some churches and in, in cultures in America that we become arrogant, thinking that we have the answer, and so therefore we export the answer to the world. 
Let's be reminded, church family, we're recipients of the good news of the gospel that came from a different continent, in a different language, in a different culture, and we're recipients of it. And now we steward that by understanding who God is, who Jesus is, and then we go to make, as verse 2 says, to make God known among the earth. Psalm 67 gives us a beautiful picture of why we go. Look at Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That's what we do when we gather. We gather and we sing. And then we send missionaries to go and to, to help people sing and sing in their native language and sing in their native tongue and sing of this eternal God who created all things. So sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Now you'll notice that gods right there, G, lowercase g, it means Elohim. That's a name for spiritual beings. So there are other gods, other spiritual beings that people worship. There's angels and demons. And what this passage is reminding us is that God is the creator of all, and he's the only one worthy of worship and praise. He is to be feared above all gods. He is the creator of all the gods, of all the Elohim, of all the spiritual beings. Verse 5, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. This word idol, it doesn't just mean something created out of our hands. It means something that doesn't have real worth and value and meaning. And so all the peoples of the earth, us included, we're tempted to worship idols. Things created by human hands, but also like things elevated in the human heart that aren't God. It says, for all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, that's the name of the one true God, made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to Yahweh, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord or to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. The God above all gods reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then all, then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. And then Jesus' own words here in Matthew all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? All the nations. Because God is the God of all the nations and he deserves worship and praise. He is worthy among all the nations of the people. And so this is why we go. And I love pastoring a church that long before I was here was committed to sending missionaries to go. And so today we're going to take some time to honor Dave and Patsy Alfers and to hear about their ministry and, and how they have gone as they are retiring from the foreign mission field. I'm going to say it that way because you're not retiring from life, right? They have a job to do. They have a mission that they're still going to live out, but they're retiring from the 
foreign mission field after 40 years of serving. So could you guys come on up and we're going to hear from Dave and Patsy Alfers this morning. All right, so as we look at the Psalms, I, I want to set the stage for that's why we go, but I also want to hear from missionaries who have been on the foreign mission field for years. Let's start by getting to know you a little bit. Many of you in this room know who Dave and Patsy are. Uh, you've done life with them. Some of you may have, Stephen, you grew up with Dave, didn't you? He, he knows all my secrets. Wow, so. we, should, we should have you come up and tell us all Dave's secrets. Uh, let's start by asking you this. Where did you both grow up? All right. Uh, my parents moved here when I was about two years old, and for the first for 12 years of uh, my time here in St. Louis Park, I lived in that house about 50 feet from the church here. Uh, my dad was a pastor at St. Louis Park, and then uh, we moved again into Minneapolis, uh, St. Louis Park area, uh, before going to the mission field. I grew up mostly in Congo. My parents were missionaries with Evangelical Free Church. And just as a side note, Dave had to come all the way to Africa to find me. <laughs> you could just hang on to that one. Uh, so Dave, Alfred's Hall right below us, that's named after you? No. <laughs> not, <laughs> not yet. Not a chance. Not a chance. That's after my dad. That's yeah. uh, the church did that for to honor my dad. Yep. Yeah, so those of you who are newer to Park in the last handful of years, uh, as Dave mentioned, his dad pastored this church for 12 years. And, uh, and yeah, what an amazing legacy. And as two weeks ago when I preached Psalm 145, one generation shall commend the Lord to the next. Think about the generational representation here. Quentin Alfred, who pastored this church, commending God to this church for years. Dave growing up, loving the Lord, going onto the mission field, and now retiring from the mission field. And we're raising kids. And I mean, if you come to the second service, there's kids everywhere. Um, praying that as we commend the Lord from one generation to the next, that the next generation of missionaries will be raised up. Like Annika was going to share this morning, and she's heading out on the mission field, a 21-year-old. Mason's going to share in a couple of weeks. He's heading out on the mission field, another 21-year-old. So thank you for you two for your faithfulness and for just receiving what was commended to you and commending it to the next generation. How and when did you realize you were called on to the mission field? I think for me, I was uh, in college at the time, going to a business college um, here in Minneapolis, and involved in the in the college group, the youth group here in church, Bible studies, and the Lord just gave me a desire on my heart to do something overseas for Him, and and this this was something that was very obviously from the Lord for me because. Uh, my entire attitude had been, why in the world would people go to vacation in Europe or wherever, South America, wherever, go to this, uh, these foreign places where you can't really drink the water, you can't speak the language, you know, and this is a vacation. Now, we've got this beautiful United States. There's a lot to see. Most people speak English. The water's okay in most places. And I always thought, that's really stupid. Why would anybody want to leave the U.S. for like a vacation? So when I got this just this burning desire to do something for God overseas. I knew it was from him. There was, there was no doubt in my mind. And uh, that's when I then checked in with the uh, Free Church, since we were involved with the Free Church, to see what they could, um, how they could use me and my skills, and uh, to go as a short-termer for two years. Um, they sent my application to Congo, and they sent my application to Venezuela, and I thought I'd go to Venezuela because I knew a little bit of Spanish at the time. 
Um, but the response came back from Venezuela, said, yeah, if he comes out here for two years, we can, we can probably use him, we can probably find something for him to do. And the response came back from Congo saying, yeah, get him out here immediately, Patsy needs a husband. So that, <laughs> so that was an easy choice for me. I, I went to Congo. <laughs> Patsy, you don't agree with that answer. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> when and how did you realize that you were called out of the mission field? Well, missions was obviously not a new idea to me uh, because I grew up in Congo, the daughter of missionaries. So for me, the question was more, was this really what God wanted me to do or was I just going back to Congo because it was home? Um, so I was finishing nurses training in Illinois. It had been three years since I had seen my parents. And I thought I would, could do a short term at our Tandala Hospital in Congo and get to see my family too. But then uh, they asked me if I would be willing to teach in the nursing school, and I felt really out of my element. It would be teaching in French. I was a new graduate from nurses training, and I knew most of the students would be 15-year-old boys, and I was 20 at the time, so I felt quite inhibited. But God showed me that this was indeed what he wanted me to do. So that was the bigger decision for me. And once I was there, I just knew that that was where God wanted me to, to be. Why, why did you guys go? I mean, you shared a little bit about the calling, but just kind of that internal. Why, why did you go back to Congo and why did you go in the first place? What was kind of the motivating drive? Matthew 28, Jesus says go. And Romans 10, how will they hear unless someone is sent, unless someone shares the good news with them? Ditto. Same. Ditto. <laughs> Great. Uh, what, so how many years, so you, I mean, spent most of your life in Congo. And Dave, how many years have you, had you, have you been in Africa? Uh, well, I first went in 1981, um, but that was just short term. That doesn't count. So uh, as a couple, we've been there for 40 years. 40 years, wow. What kept you there for 40 years? Uh, in those 40 years, we saw a lot of missionaries come and go. Um, and I think the thing that we realized that kept us there as compared to some others is that we knew our call, the call from God. We knew it was a calling that he had called us to. And the hard times, the easy times, the joyful times, the sad times, that's what keeps you there. Um, this was God's call on our life that he wanted us to be there to share his love, to share his, uh, his good news about Jesus Christ to those people, and that's, that's what kept us there. Do you have anything right. to add? Or is that, ditto. Yeah, ditto, ditto. Could you share a few highlights of what you saw God do? And, and I'm thinking, first of all, in you guys, just as individuals, I mean, you know, oftentimes we, as Christians, we're postured to serve others, right? To serve the world. But I think sometimes we forget and short circuit that God is refining us in all that process. So, and so I'd love to hear you guys share a few highlights of what God did in you over the years. And then I do want to ask what you saw God do in the areas that you served as well. But starting kind of personally, what did God do in you? And uh, I think one of the biggest things that I notice is living in another country learning a language, learning a new culture, learning how to adapt, um, it, it changes your entire outlook, your entire world uh, perspective. 
Um, and I think God helped me to grow in that, to know that, like you had said earlier, it's not the American way that is perfect. Um, the, uh, every culture has good things. Every culture has bad things. Um, and God wants to use those cultures in spreading his good news about Jesus. Um, and I, I think that, that perspective really changed my life, uh, being able to, to realize that it was more than just um, this is the way we've always done it, this is the American way to do things, uh, realizing that it can be done other ways, and that, um, I don't know, God just, just uh, really worked in a, in a special way in that. How about you, Patsy? I think for me, what God did is just teaching about trust. Um, trusting in the good times and in the difficult times and when, yeah, when the world falls apart and you get evacuated and God's still in control. Um, God's doing his thing. It's not always the way we would do it, uh, certainly, but, but God is in control and our job is to trust him. What are some things that you saw God do in and through your ministry? Well, it's kind of hard to narrow that down. <laughs> you don't have 40 to. We, years, we, got, we got time. 40 years <laughs> in. Yeah, we'll give you 10 minutes. Ready, go. <laughs> well, we were thinking about this, and uh, we thought back to our years with the water people in Congo. We lived in a swamp, and uh, when we arrived there, there was one small church at the village where we were, but in our county, there weren't any other evangelical churches at all. And uh, to begin with, it was a bit slow. We formed an evangelism team. And it was several years into it. I can't remember exactly how many. But we had hoped for Congolese to come alongside and work with us, but it didn't happen right away. But finally, after a few years, Nzaba came. And he was a, a preacher. And God put on his heart to actually move down and live among the water people. So he brought his wife and five little children. And it was a huge cultural um, change for him. Neither Zaba nor his wife knew how to swim. Well, the only way to travel was by dugout canoe. Um, there, yeah, to get your food, to get your firewood, everything revolved around being in a canoe. And that's pretty inhibiting if you don't know how to swim. But it was Zaba's going there and living downriver among the people where we really saw the work take off. And uh, when we left the water people after 12 years, there were 16 churches out of the, seven, out of the 18 villages. God did amazing things. And we were only involved in the first four and after that, it was the water people themselves who were reaching out to, to others. So we had, we had front row seats yeah. to what God was doing. Yeah. Was amazing. amazing. Wow. Uh, one other highlight we were thinking about sharing is um, a man named Talfiq. And if you've seen any or read any of our newsletters, uh, we call him MT in our newsletters, MT, not Montana, but MT, Mohammed Talfiq. Uh, he was one of, uh, in, in our work in, in Cameroon, we've been working with Muslims, with the Fulbe people. 
And uh, he is one that our team, uh, he came to know Christ through our team. He was trying to, uh, God had been speaking to him, uh, putting on his heart just this desire of what happens after I die. Because in, in Islam, there's no clear answer to that. Um, there's a maybe you'll get to heaven. It all depends on, on how good you are and whether God really agrees or not. Um, and so he was, he was just contemplating that. And as one of our team members shared with him, um, he started getting interest. Well, tell me more. Let's get into the Bible. Teach me about, about uh, this. And so he came to Christ. Um, he'd been... He was persecuted, uh, a lot of uh, difficulty with, he was a, a merchant in the, in the market, and uh, a lot of people refused to buy from him. He lost his place in the market because he became a Christian. Uh, just a lot of different things that, that really tried to push him down, but he just held strong to his faith in Christ. And as uh, Taufik, as we worked with Taufik and helped him to, to understand the Bible more, to help him to understand his relationship with Christ, um, he got more and more excited about what God can do with his people, with the Fulbe. Um, and at one point in time, he had an opportunity to go to the, the neighboring country uh, next to us, to Chad, and he was able to share with Fulbe there and Many of them had a lot of interest. They wanted to know more. Who is this, uh, this uh, uh, previous Muslim who, who is now a Christian? And, and how is this possible? And why did you change your religion? And et cetera, et cetera. And so he, he was able to share his testimony and share about Christ. And he just got a real excitement about what God can do with his own people in helping them to understand about Christ. And so he started making trips over to the neighboring country, to the Fulbe in Chad. And um, over about three years of numerous trips there, he's baptized at least a dozen uh, Fulbe. Uh, he's working really hard to help them come into a community and, and be a community of themselves. to themselves. Um, he's just got this vision and this desire now that God has given him to reach out to his own. And we're we're excited because he's, he's also now looking to, to reach out just in Cameroon, where he lives. Um, he's, a, he's actually the son of a very, very prominent uh, Muslim in the north of Cameroon, and he's shared with his family. Uh, they have rejected him to a certain extent, but at the same time, they, they understand he's, he's an adult. He, he's able to choose what he wants. Uh, he knows the Quran well. Uh, and he has made his choice to follow Christ. And so we continue to pray for him uh, that he will have more opportunities to share with his family, more opportunities to share with the Fulbe, and that God will literally raise up a, a community of Fulbe um, that will be a real light for their own people uh, in Cameroon and, and in Chad. Awesome. Those are two highlights. Two highlights. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> 40 years, though. So... During the retirement party with Donuts, ask them more stories and get to know them. And over the coming, over the coming time, right, they're going to be around here for a while. So, uh, which leads to the question, what is next for you guys? So retiring from the foreign mission field, what, is, what does that mean for you? Uh, yeah, what does that mean for us? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a transition, as everybody keeps talking about transitioning to retirement. Um, and transitions are rarely easy. Um, and at this point in time, we don't really know. We're still trying to figure all that out. 
Um, we still want to be involved. We've been looking around uh, the cities here and contacting churches and pastors and other ministries in, in Minneapolis area, trying to find out what's being done with Muslims. Uh, how are people and churches reaching out to, to their Muslim neighbors and friends and family? and seeing whether that would be a possibility for us to help and to come alongside and to, to join in. Um, I really enjoy working with my hands, um, handyman type stuff. And so the Evangelical Free Church has what's called crisis response. Anna uh, from here has gone to join them. <clears throat> and so we're uh, looking at doing some volunteer work with them as well, traveling to to places where there's been a crisis in the states, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, those type of things, and helping the local churches there reach out and helping to rebuild. Um, so that's also one possibility, but only God knows, and so far he hasn't told us exactly what that is yet. Oh, you have to live your life with open hands still? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Patsy, anything to add for that? Or No. All right. Um, two things here. How can we pray for, number one, the mission field that you left? And and specifically, I just want to remind us when I say the mission field that you left, we all live in a mission field, right? Everywhere that we do life is a mission field. And so as we look at Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go, that means as you're going. Uh, so there's one example in Dave and Patsy for going to a, well, for you, it was less foreign, right? You grew up in Africa. For you, you grew up here. And so there's that example of going to a different culture, a different, a different language, learning a different language, different challenges, different callings, uh, but we're all called to a mission field wherever we are. And so it's a good reminder. I love having so many missionaries at our church that I get to do life with because it's a reminder to me that I don't live in St. Louis Park because it's comfortable. I have to live here as a missionary. All of us do. We need to get to know the idols of our community. We need to get to know the people, the kind of the language. Most of us speak English, right? But like the heart language of the people that we live next to and work with. And same way that, I mean, it was a different challenge for you to go and learn the language and learn the culture. And a lot of the pictures here, you, you know, you're dressed in in attire that we probably wouldn't wear around our neighborhoods, but that's part of being a missionary. And so that's a reminder to all of us here, but then specifically thinking about the mission field that God had called you to for 40 years. As you think about leaving those people and leaving that place, um, how can we specifically pray for that mission field, for the people that you've been living with and doing life with for so many years? Well, as we think about the people we've left um, in Cameroon, we would ask for prayer that God would really build his church among the Fulte Bay there. There's small beginnings of it, but they don't really have their, their own real community. And coming from a Muslim background, they just don't fit in our African churches. They're not at home. And as soon as they step foot in a church and the Muslims hear about it, they're totally cut off and never have the chance to share what is the good news about Jesus with their family and with their, with their community. So um, pray that, that God would build his church among the Fulte. And secondly, God is beginning to stir the hearts of Cameroonian Christians. And uh, you met Pastor Patrice here a year ago. Mm -hmm. yep. And um, we're thrilled at what God is doing through him. And he's training Cameroonian pastors. He has a group of 22 pastors now that he's meeting with weekly. 
and giving them vision for how they can reach out to Muslims in their community as well. So pray that God would continue to stir the, the church to really reach out to their, to their Muslim believers. Great. And for us, that God would guide us clearly what he wants us to be doing in this next season. Yeah. Just one quick word. Um, first of all, <laughs> we want to thank you. Um, we want to thank this church. 40 years we've been in Africa. Uh, 40 years this church has supported us and been faithful not just with the, the financial support, but with the prayer support. So many times we've gotten responses from people saying, we're praying for you for this, we're praying for this, we're praying for MT, we're praying for that. And just thank you, because you are a big part of the ministry that the missionaries uh, are doing overseas. It, it is a big, um, without that prayer support, I'm not just talking financial, I'm talking without that prayer support, those missionaries would not be able to do what they're, what they're able to do. Um, so thank you. I just wanted to say that. And thank you, too, for being faithful to the call. Uh, it, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about this passage just as you guys were talking. Um, Hebrews thirteen seven. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, I know you two don't want to necessarily be in the spotlight and you see that going onto the mission field, you were just being faithful and obedient to your call. Um, and so, it, you know, it's kind of a weird thing of like, we want to celebrate you two. And you're like, don't celebrate us. It's all about God, right? It's just what God did. Yet in the scriptures here, there's this call that we are to remember our leaders. You guys have led in missions. You've been an example. It says, um, those who spoke the word of God to you. And you guys... Haven't spoke the word of God as much to us, but you sure did to the Fultbe, that's how you say it, right? And the water people. You spoke the word of God to people who needed to hear the word of God. So thank you for doing that. And then it says, consider the outcome of their way of life. 18 churches planted among the water people. And who knows what God will do with the Fultbe people now. And imitate their faith. And so you guys have given us a type of faith to imitate. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Let's give them a celebrate them. And yes, thank you. It, and for being faithful to God and doing what this passage says, to, to live a life worthy of imitation. Thank you. Let's pray together. If you would like to extend a hand towards Dave and Patsy. Lord, we are so grateful for your faithfulness, which has kept Dave and Patsy walking with you. Lord, none of us uh, come to salvation, nor do we continue to walk with you by our own power and might and strength, but because of your faithfulness and your covenant and your call. So I thank you for being faithful to Dave and Patsy, for calling them, for keeping them, for holding them. And Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness to in turn proclaim you among the nations, to make you known. Lord, we do sit here today and we want to say job well done by Dave and Patsy. And it's not done, but a, a, a job well done for 40 years on the mission field. And now as they transition, Lord, I pray that you would give them direction and guidance, help them to, to rest and recharge and to, to do that, but then also to continue to be poured out for the sake of your, your gospel. 
Lord, as they've asked, we pray for the full bay people that you would draw them to yourself, that Jesus Christ and his ways would be known among them. Lord, would you build your church? You've promised that you would, and you said the gates of hell would not overcome it. And so, Lord, I thank you for the ways that you've done that over the years among the nations, throughout the generations, and I pray that you would continue to do that specifically among the full bay people. And may you empower the Cameroonian Christians to trust you and to proclaim you. We pray that more people would come to know you for your glory, for their good, and the advancement of your good gospel around the earth. Lord, we thank you for this testimony this morning and that we get to be witnesses to who you are and what you do through us when we open up our hands and follow you in obedience. Pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you, too. And join us for donuts afterward and get to know them more and ask more stories. As we transition now to communion, I just want to remind us of the Great Commission. You want to look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20 with me one more time. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Obedience. Jesus called them and told them, go to this mountain. So they go, they go there. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. It's what we read about in the Psalms. That's what Dave and Patsy has, have labored for for years, that people would worship God. And some doubt it. So those of you who are doubting today, there's room for you. It comes and goes in waves, our faith and our doubt, our worship and our wonder. And Jesus came to them. He fulfilled his promise. He says, go there and wait for me and I will come to you. And Jesus came to them. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples or followers or apprentices of Jesus. People who would do life Jesus' way of all nations, all the peoples of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is one ordinance that Jesus gave the church, or this is the commission that he gave the church to go, right? And then the ordinance is in here to baptize. The other that he gave is to take communion. When the church gathers, When we gather on Sunday at Park, we take communion to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And in doing so, we join churches around the world, different languages, different cultures, different practices, different expressions, but we join the family of God in remembering who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So I want to invite you as you feel led and ready during this song, which, which is a great reminder of what we're called to as followers of Christ. I want to invite you to come to the table, be reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, that he lived a perfect life that we're incapable of living, that he died a sinner's death in our place on our behalf. The bread represents his body given for us. The cup represents his blood shed, his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let me pray one more time, and then you're welcome to come to the table during this song. Jesus, 
we thank you that you have made all of this possible, that we can be here today and hear testimonies of hope and churches being planted and built around the world because you are with us always. And so, Lord, our posture is to go and make disciples of all nations, but we can't go unless we also come to you, the giver of life. So this morning, as we come to the table, I pray that we would be reminded that you are the giver of life. And you're the giver of new life. And I pray that we would eat the bread and drink the cup with hearts of gratitude for who you are and what you've done. Pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.